Amen. We continue worshiping God now as we come and continue under His Word. This time the Gospel of Matthew in the fourth chapter. I invite you as you're able to stand for the reading. Now when He, Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, He withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, He went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. God in his... You may be seated. God in his provision and grace calls us the church. And that church, the priesthood of all believers. And what do priests do? What's their job? What is our job? It's to bring folk, to bring people before an encounter with God. I want to talk about that calling that Jesus does with the disciples in the Scriptures today and that calling that He does on our life so that we can answer that question, what is my calling in the light that has come into the darkness. In the early days of the internet, Clay Sharkey describes what I think is an apt parable for the priesthood of all believers for this common era. Now this is a long and detailed story that he tells. This long and high drama story I will truncate for us this morning but it all centers around a lost cell phone. In short, Ivana's phone is left, this early stage of smartphones was left in a New York City taxi cab in May 2006 with her appointments and pictures and notes and information saved dear to her. She soon discovers by talking to the taxi cab company that that phone so dear to her was no longer there. It had apparently been commandeered by a subsequent passenger. After placing an ad to try and get it back, she finally succumbed and decided to buy a new phone. And back in those days, in the early stages, she was able to sync her new phone now to her cell network and get much of the data that she'd lost. But she also got a little surprise because not only was her network Uh, syncing with her new phone. It was syncing with her old phone and its new owner. (laughs) 
who was taking pictures and sending emails. And so she was able to contact this new owner. And in short, the reply that she got was a little bit more, well, let's say not quite as polite as tough luck, it's mine now. <laughs> and so she enlisted the friend of hers who was familiar, more familiar than she with the internet, and he posted her story on the World Wide Web. And that story went viral, so much so that the poster on his site was getting 10 emails a minute. Folks were exposing this person's lack of etiquette, as he put it. And long story short, this needle in a haystack that seemed impossible to find after quite a bit of trouble now because uh, she'd been exposed, this new owner now finally returned the phone. And as Sharkey describes it, it was all because of this community coming forth. Here comes everybody, as he puts it. Prior to the internet, the lost item would have been the end of the story. But when everyone gets involved, the impossible becomes possible through the work of ordinary people doing their part. But fundamentally, this idea is nothing new. It was God's design all along. We can see that all the way back in the Old Testament when God blessed His people through Abraham. Part of the, the covenant promise was blessing to be upon blessing, blessed to be a blessing to all nations. And so when this light dawns in the darkness by the one who created us and now by the one who's come to redeem us, it's no surprise that as Jesus now begins his ministry, he calls disciples like he calls you and me. He calls us to be part of shining his light. But what's different, what's different about the here comes everybody world that we live in and the calling that Jesus gives us is that we're not just all shining our individual cell phones or our individual lights. We are in part, but what we really are shining is the light from the one that we all share, the one true Messiah, the Son of God. Christ shines through us, we become like the moon, reflecting the sun. And so it's not just our good works or, or our successes or our wins or your skills or mine. In fact, God uses all of that to be sure, but he even uses our mistakes and our failings and our brokenness as well. Because you and I are called to shine the light of the one true sun who is in us. And so by God's design, for us, the gospel goes viral when the church exists and lives out its baptismal calling. When we baptize folk here, uh, we read a verse from the next chapter of Matthew in Matthew 5 that command us to let our light shine and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Remember, this work that we're called is is Christ-centered, not human-centered. And so we are coming with everyone, but with the light of Christ. That's why the Augsburg Confession explains the church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. We come under the word and under the sacrament and shine that. 
It's a different way of looking at coming at it as a community because we come at it as a community sharing that one light of Christ. So it's a difference in this YouTube world where everyone is a producer. Instead of just my production, we shine the light of what Christ has done, not just what I do. And so our authority comes not from me, but from God who shines that light in the darkness. So now... We don't have any excuse because it's not about your strength or mine, your weakness or mine, your success or mine, your win or mine. It's about humbly coming into submission to the one who shines this light in the darkness. So this morning as we come into this text, I invite you, whether you're here gathered with us this morning wrestling with who this Jesus really is, and you're exploring what it means to consider Jesus, I invite you to listen closely today to Jesus who in this text is concretely revealed to us as the one who brings the light into the darkness, as the one who has the capacity, the authority, and the ability to change our hearts, to change the world. Or if you are a baptized child of God this morning, coming and wondering what it means to be equipped, to, what does it mean to follow Jesus more fully and faithfully? Well, guess what? You've got the same task in front of you, to listen closely to this same Jesus, to focus on Jesus, to the concrete ways he is inviting you to be a light in the darkness by reflecting his light to the world, calling you as he called those disciples In Galilee, he calls you now, right here from Albuquerque. Notice for all of us, even in a here-comes-everybody world, the focus is on Jesus. Well, let's take that focus on Jesus a step further. And as we do, we begin to understand how Jesus reveals himself in this text. As we we dig in, we hear Matthew quoting the prophet uh, Isaiah, We'll explore that as well. But as you heard this morning, the psalmist proclaims, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's a good reminder as we enter into this gospel text to understand that it is the Lord, it is Jesus who is our focus. And even though It may seem scary to proclaim his word today. He says, whom shall we fear when the Lord is our stronghold? Martin Luther, in reflecting on this psalm, wrote and said, you know, this this good news that we hear in Psalm 27 is so often thwarted, thwarted by those who would lead us from this one true light. He said, so let's examine Jesus and focus on what that true light is. Now, up until now, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus' work had been somewhat, as one scholar put it, passive, but here he comes into action. As the light dawns on the darkness, Jesus begins by calling the disciples. But until Jesus goes where only he can go, ultimately the cross, Interestingly enough, from this point forward in Matthew's gospel, we'll hear about Jesus and the disciples. He's doing the work. 
but he's doing it with us. Matthew doesn't just show us that Jesus, as we focus on him now, is fulfilling the messianic promise in general. I like how another scholar put it. He does it in minute detail. Minute detail. For as he tells us, Jesus comes into the region of Galilee, of Gentiles. He's coming to this place to bring God's word to all nations now. He fulfills the promise of coming into Galilee in a time when the the tribal lines for Naphtali and Zebulon were no longer really honored. Jesus does. And he comes into the minute detail of the town of Capernaum where it would be his home base. And as he comes there, he comes right there in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, fulfilling the promise that is there, right there, hundreds of years before in the book of Isaiah, which, by the way, just a few verses later, we'll hear that same prophet say, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, a government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you've been with us in Advent and Christmas, you know that sounds quite familiar. Jesus is telling us he is the one to do and complete all this work. He is the one to bring the light into the darkness. And so he comes, not in general, but into the minute details of the world and to the minute details of your life. If you're grieving, if you're angry, if your sin is out of control, if your marriage is a wreck, if you're doubting, if you need the refreshing grace of God, he brings that light into the minute details of your life. And he lets us know that it's him by fulfilling these promises. He also does it in a way that scholars call and a, 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 a scriptural reference and textual criticism called inclusio. Surrounding God's word with evidence for who he is and what he's doing. Sometimes the scriptures do that, especially around the Sermon on the Mount that comes next by displaying some of Jesus' miracles. Matthew doesn't do that in chapter 4. He just does that by showing how Jesus fulfills the prophecies of Isaiah. But if we were to look, for example, in Luke 5 to see the miracle that just precedes this calling of the disciples, we'd understand some of that inclusio, that pointing that this is the one. For example, when Jesus did the great miracle of the catch and the nets were breaking and more fish than they could imagine off these same shores off of Capernaum, well, it now makes sense why when he was calling the disciples, they were mending their nets because their nets had just been broken by the great catch. And so, Matthew is letting you know, letting me know, letting us know, As God brought light into darkness in creation, God brings light into darkness through his Son in the same manner. This is God. This is Jesus the Messiah. He's the one who can change your life and mine and theirs and preach to all the nations, the Galilee of Gentiles. He can do as Ephesians uh, 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 chapter 3, verse 20 says, more than we can think or imagine. This true light 
Let's look at it now. This true light that busts into the darkness. It also not only transforms our hearts, it gives us that calling, that vocation. Our calling, as you hear about God's kingdom here now, kingdom on heaven comes. It collides with the kingdom of the world. And where does it collide? It collides the the kingdom as we sometimes call it, the kingdom of the world on the left and God's kingdom on the right, or as Jesus calls it now, the kingdom of heaven. It collides. There's a collision. And that collision happens now in his children, his adopted sons and daughters, you and me. As the Holy Spirit rests upon us, as he comes in us in baptism, that collision now comes to us to reflect his light to the world. You don't have to worry about whether or not your light is bright enough, just like the moon doesn't have to worry about whether or not it's strong enough to reflect the sun. God does that work. Our authority comes just like an authority comes from an ambassador as we are connected with the one who sent us. And so I like how biblical scholar and Lutheran theologian Charles Schaeffer observes in this text here with Jesus that Jesus is going around doing three things. He's doing good. He's going to synagogues, places of worship. And he's spreading the gospel. I suggest that observation is a good pattern for us. A good pattern for us to respond in our own daily calling. Let's look at it for a moment. To do good, right? Not for ourselves, but for our neighbor. Not so that God would love us. He does that by the power of his work on the cross to redeem us. We do good to glorify our Father in heaven, to be sure, but we do good to show God's love and light to the world. And while our good works in feeding the hungry and showering on those in need uh, don't save us, they are a roadmap for others to the light. When we serve ourselves, when we, we miss out on this promise. Our men at a Bible study earlier this week at our Bible and Brew Bible study are looking at Bonhoeffer's words and Jesus' words more particularly in the Sermon on the Mount that comes after this text. And they were noting that in marriage, as as the sermon will uh, reveal, that marriage exists most faithfully when we die to ourselves and serve one another with self-denial. When we're trying to fulfill ourselves, The men discussed, it doesn't work. But when we serve each other, God is worshipped and glorified and the marriage becomes a beautiful picture then. It's just like when we die to ourselves and die to our sin as we do with Christ in, in our baptism as Romans 6 says, we die with Christ and rise again with Him because of His work on the cross. And so we do good to glorify our Father and to bless others, not ourselves, but our neighbor who need it. God doesn't need that good work for our salvation, but our neighbor does, and he calls us to serve them. As Jesus did good, so too are we called. He also then traveled to places of worship, didn't he? Synagogues, in particular, I think there's two things for us to note about this. One, that we need each other. We need catechesis. We need that word and sacrament to come under us, to, or to come over us as we come under it to remember whose we are and who we're called to be. 
to come and here comes everybody world. We remember that our authority isn't from everybody. It's just from the one. And remember that as we live out as the mystical body of Christ in the world, then we are doing God's work. Today, researchers tell us that committed Christians today tend to worship about once a month. I'm here to tell you that we need to gather more than that. We need one another to cheer one another on in the love of Christ. Also, there's another note about the uh, reason why Jesus went to these synagogues that I want to highlight. And here's the synagogue in Capernaum where he preached from. It wasn't always easy when he went there. There were times that he got ushered out quite forcefully. It won't always be easy for us either. That's the truth. When the kingdom on the left and the kingdom on the right collide, it becomes the place where we bear the cross. But it's also, you notice that Jesus went to where he had the opportunity to share the word. And he did that in synagogues. And so you and I should be alert for those opportunities even if it's hard, knowing that the one who sent us is with us. And that leads us to this last observation of what Jesus was doing and what we are called to do, to spread the good gospel, the good tidings that the Greek word there is evangel, or where we get our word evangelism from. To go, whether it's to go with the Sun Network to Eastern Europe, or to go around Albuquerque, or to go into your own home and proclaim the good news. We are called to go. I read some research by Barna that tells us that even folks in this secular age who don't think they need a God are interested in talking to Christians about why we believe in a God. They'd be interested in hearing our case for faith, our, our understanding of who Christ is and, and, and how we've got there. But what they've noted, according to researchers on evangelism, is that they're not having those conversations quite frequently because Christians aren't welcoming them to that kind of engagement. This secular world, ironically, friends, the questions that are being asked need a theological answer. And you and I in Christ have the light to shine. Doing good is important. But human flourishing isn't enough we need to bring them to the transforming light of Christ. It's incomplete until we bring these good tidings, this gospel. I write in February Faith Alive about an admonition that we received at a security training some years ago to be on yellow alert in these dangerous times for physical danger in our midst. I invite us today to be on yellow alert for the spiritual orphans, as Angela shared with us, among us, to be on yellow alert for those in need to proclaim this good news. And where does that calling take place? Where does this collision happen? It happens in you, children of God. God has chosen to work through his disciples then and now. No one else will do it. Use what you've got. He worked through a yellow alert system with just simple fishermen. Whatever gifts that you bring to the table, come pray, come give, go, or do all three. 
Do good. Go out as the body of Christ. Go where people will hear you. Be and share the good tidings, whether it's at work or with your friends or at school or with your family. For the light, friends, has dawned. God is the stronghold of our life, and that light is Jesus. He's coming into the minute details of this world to transform us so the darkness cannot put it out. God is the stronghold of our lives. Turn your gaze on Him. Receive the gospel and answer His call that He's already authorized you to proclaim. Amen.